0: Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1 this morning. Luke chapter 1. So this week and next week we'll be doing family worship time, and then um, my Sunday school teachers, if y'all will get with me and let's set up our schedule for the new year, January. Da 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 da. We'll get that figured out. I'll I'll send out texts this week, and we'll get that all planned out. Luke chapter one, starting with verse forty-six. Mary responded, and she's responding to Elizabeth. She's visiting Elizabeth, and Elizabeth has acknowledged the baby that she's carrying um, in her womb as the Lord speaking to her. She says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Lord, this is your word this morning. May it pierce our hearts alive and active and change us because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Could not be more fitting today that our week of Advent is on love Now, I probably can make that altar call right now, and everybody at my Christmas party last night, you must come down. Like, it got crazy last night, right? I mean, I I was getting worried by the end of that party. Like, I thought we was going to do some counseling. I wasn't sure, all right? It gets crazy when women want their kitchen gadgets. I'm just telling you, we were fighting over cure eggs and Instapots and Pioneer Woman everything last night. I'm just telling you. Meanwhile, the men were just silently passing out flashlights and knives, and I don't know some guns. Yeah, we had okay. It was a salt gun, but not assault. For those of you online that just heard my country twang, a s a l t bug gun. Okay, all right, there you go. And if you don't know what that is, see Perry and Raven and Thomas. They'll tell you what that. And I think Dalton, you have one, don't you? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> We had a lot of fun. You know, last week our children, how has that only just been a week ago by the way, but last week our children did such a wonderful job. Did you enjoy that last week as much as I did? Oh, I did. I did. Thank you, Emily, for working with our kiddos and guys, y'all just pulled that off so wonderful. And one of the songs they sang, remember, was Silent Night and they gathered around the manger up here and Santa knelt down. It's kind of ironic, I think, uh, when we think about that being one of our favorite Christmas songs, because what mother of a newborn baby, thank you, Jackson, for making the point clear, and he just smiled big, okay? So what mother of a newborn baby would write a song about silent nights? Mamas, who in here remembers having silent nights when we had babies? Like, that was not what was on our minds at all. I I don't remember singing Silent Night, Holy Night. In fact, with my first child, who was colicky for three months, <laughs> whew, we about lost our whole sanity, I'm telling you. When somebody finally told us of a medicine the doctor could give Brittany, he's like, well, I didn't. and we, we said, no. This is for us, not for her, really. Like, we're, you know, we're about to lose our minds with this child. Um, there were no silent nights for three months in our house. Thank goodness Alex was a good baby. He, he was like, Psh. he still, he sleeps all the time. It's, it's just who he is, right? Yeah. Um, so another song, though, another song that we like to sing at Christmas, one of my favorites, Mary, Did You Know? Oh, I love that song. When we went to Alex's concert, one of the choirs there, the youth singers, they did an a cappella version that could rival pentatonix, you know, I mean, like, it was so, so good. I love that. And I love, you know, Mark Lowry wrote a classic with honest questions. If you know the history of this, when he was asked to write a song, he was kind of stumped. He, he wasn't sure. I mean, come on, how many Christmas songs do we have? How do you create something new, right? And after a conversation with his own mother, he began to pin these questions that one might have for Mary. And maybe Mary did not know all the specifics and details. Maybe she did not know everything Jesus would do. But Mary had a clear understanding of the mission of God through Jesus in ways that many people around her did not understand. And the more I studied the magnificent this week, her song of praise, I thought, I don't know if we give Mary quite the credit she deserved of understanding this awesomeness of carrying the Messiah and the future that this child would have for God's people. Now, Zachariah, remember, Elizabeth's husband, he's been struck down. He can't talk because he didn't quite understand. He lacked the understanding of what John's birth would mean. He, he had doubts and questions to the point that God was like, mm, nine months, you're quiet. And all the women said, amen, right? Yeah, no, we love our husbands, right? I didn't hear an amen on that one. Do I need to stop and change to marriage counseling this morning? Let's check on this. Holidays can be rough, I tell you. But Mary, on the other hand, put in her position, is singing a song of praise that we read this morning. It's been said that the Magnificent is the most revolutionary document in the world because of what understanding it brought to the church in that day. I love last week, last Saturday, when we watched The Chosen, I love how they portrayed Mary expressing this to Mary Magdalene to make sure she got it to Luke to put in his gospel. You know, it brought attention to how important this is. Because she, she told Mary Magdalene, because Mary said, you know, Mother Mary, haven't you told Luke everything? Yeah, yeah, we, we've talked about everything, but this one thing I've held on I've treasured in my heart, and I want to share this with him. I love that portrayal that they did. Now, do we know if it happened that way? Of course we do not, but it brought the attention to what we just read today. And I don't know about you, but I've read this, I don't know how many times, but I kind of always skip over it a little bit. Like when I see that it's a song, it's like I start reading these verses, and I'm like, I don't hear the music, Lord. I don't, (laughs) you know, I don't. Where's the beat? Somebody drop me a beat on this so I can know how, how did Mary sing this, right? And so I kind of didn't quite get it until I began to study more this week. And when you dive into it, you honestly, and you're like, okay, we're talking about love. How does this fall into that? It speaks about three of the revolutions of God that's fixing to happen through Jesus Christ. And maybe like me, you've missed some of this. Verse 51 said his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. Christianity is a death of pride. In fact, that word haughty, I love that word. You can find it in Proverbs. Haughty simply means someone who is so busy judging others that they don't see themselves. Oh, church, amen. Uh, we can be the worst ones of this sitting in this room. We, we, we can sit here and listen to my message today and go, oh, you know, if such and such would have been here today, that was the perfect message for them. No, you're the one here today. This message is for you. And so Christianity puts to death that pride because when we examine our lives... Next to the life of Christ, it tears away all threads of our pride, of our self, of our way of doing things. That's all pride is. I want to do it my way, right? Is it, what is it, Burger King that tells us we can have it our way, right? They're marketing you for your pride, (laughs) that you can come in and tell them what to do, right? Right? There was an American writer, O. Henry, and he had this short story that he wrote of a young boy who um, grew up in a small village, and and this young boy, him and a a young girl, they kind of became friends, and okay, they were sweet on each other, you know, growing up, but the young boy wound up moving off to the city life, and unfortunately, he fell into the wrong crowd when he was in the city. And he became a pickpocket and a thief. And he became really good at what he did, by the way. You know, we forget sometimes, even when we're doing the wrong things, we take pride in what we do when we do it well. And he he thought he was really good. In fact, one day, he snatched an old lady's purse, and he was so proud of himself. He thought he pulled it off so swiftly. She never knew. But he looked down the street, and he saw a face he thought looked familiar and it was that young girl that he grew up with in school that he was so sweet on. And what struck him the most was how innocent and lovely she still looked. Just like the days he knew her in school, she had not changed a bit. But what struck him was suddenly he felt like the dirty thief that he was he began to realize what his life had become and turned into. And he wound up just tilting his head back and crying out to God and saying, I just wish I could die. Because he realized what he had given up in life. He'd realized how wrong he was. He saw an honest glimpse of himself when he saw the young girl. You see, Christ enables you and I to see ourselves. And it's the death of our pride when that happens. When we become humble enough to admit we're sinners. But that only happens when Christ comes on the scene. You see, before Christ showed up, It was the law that they were looking to. And yes, the law does a great job of pointing us to things we can do wrong. It shows us things that maybe we shouldn't do. But then Jesus shows up. He's not pointing at what we do wrong. He's showing us who we are. When we acknowledge who Jesus is as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world, who died for our sins, a moral revolution begins the process in us. A changing, not because I just want to do better, but because I realize without Christ who I am. And I want to be more. I want to be who God created me to be. And it starts a moral revolution. But then Mary sings the next verse. Says, he has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. A social revolution is fixing to take place with the birth of Christ. You know, from the moment we are born, this world is putting labels on us. You know, from the moment you're born, because when you're born, a name gets connected to you, right? We get a, a last name that connects us to a family. And when that happens, then whatever that family's history is connected to us. Oh, that's that's Gail Springer's daughter. That's, Gail, that's Gail's granddaughter right there, yeah. Sharing my pain this morning, Casey. You know, sometimes that wasn't always the best thing. I know, what, I know you understand what I'm saying. We get connected. Other labels, as soon as we enter school, they begin to assess us and label us on our abilities or lack of abilities. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's one of those labels out there that we have. People put labels on us every single day. Some good, some not good. Society determines what class we are. And then they determine how much money we're going to pay the IRS because of what class we're in. Another label. And honestly, church, probably the worst are the labels you and I put on ourselves. Labels that we allow to stick. Or labels that we put there just out of our own problems. Whether we're worthy, unworthy. I'm smart, I'm dumb. You know, I could, I could ask every one of you how you label yourself. And I guarantee most of you are going to give me some negative thoughts. Those are labels that we put on ourselves. But see, Jesus was coming to shake all of that up. He was coming to rip those labels off. And Mary understood that, by the way. You know, there's a story during the Middle Ages of a scholar who was named Meredus. We'll say that's how I pronounce it. It's the Arkansas pronunciation, by the way. Working on my own version of the Bible these days, I'll tell you. And it has nothing to do with assault guns. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I I can hear that one online already. But Maratus, he was a traveling scholar, and he was in an Italian town during the Middle Ages when he became gravely ill. And because nobody knew who he was, they put him in a hospital that was meant for the waifs and the strays, for the lower class. There's that label. Well, the doctors begin to discuss, and they're talking in Latin, their learned education for being doctors. And they begin to discuss amongst themselves that, you know, Nobody knows really who he is. He's not really worthy of anything. So you know what? We could use him for some medical experiments, and nobody would know. And then Meratus spoke up in their well-versed Latin language, and he said, call no man worthless for whom Christ died. Oh, church, do you hear me? I know we have labels, And we listen to it and we let it beat us down so many times. But Christ says you are worthy. Christ said you are worthy enough that I died for you. And he says, and I know what you did. I know who you are. And I love you anyway. When we have realized what Christ did for each and every one of us, then it's no longer really possible that we should look at others as beneath us. Because sometimes we do that too. Unfortunately, this time of year, we get this idea of helping others. And unfortunately, it's because, honest, let's be honest, they're less than we are. They have less than we have. Sometimes they may have more than we have. Because they're not worried about the things that make us busy. Thomas, he said I was a, a killjoy this morning because we were sitting there talking about the Christmas party and I'm, I'm flipping through things for the sermon in my head and I was looking at that little manger scene, you know, that I put under my tree every year and I said, you know what? I said, if Christ came today, hmm. I said he wouldn't have been at our party last night. I said, because, man, we were having a great time, wasn't we? (laughs) I said, we loved each other. I said, I'm not saying the party was bad. I'm just putting it into perspective, thinking of Mary's time and day. It wasn't the church he came into. It was a lowly, humble, virgin girl. And what good comes out of Nazareth anyway? (laughs) And yet that's where the Messiah showed up. He said, Man, you're a real downer this morning. <laughs> I said, Just a thought, just a thought. Mary understood labels. She was a Jew. That would have been beneath the Romans, by the way. She was a woman. That was beneath every man. And then she was an unwed, pregnant teenage woman who they could have stoned had Joseph not listened to his angel and, and took up for her. So she understood labels. But the Messiah was coming, and he was fixing to shake up the social scene, the social revolution, because Jesus changes everything. He is the equalizer of all men. It doesn't matter what our social status is. It doesn't matter how much money we make. Because all of that gets stripped away from us. Do you understand when you step into eternity before God the Father, none of that's going with you. The only thing that's going to get asked at the door, did you know my son? Do you know Jesus Christ? And if you're not seen in him, hmm, Next thing Mary's saying to us in verse 53, he's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. Economic revolution. Now, we like this one. We like to level that playing field a little bit better. You see, a non-Christian society is an acquisitive society, which simply just means I want to get everything I can get. Right, I want to acquire as much wealth and, and as many things in this world as I can. And if it's free, boy, that's even better. Let's get it. But a Christian society, no one dares to have too much when somebody else is going without. Now, I'm not talking about a socialist government here, by the way. I'm talking about loving our neighbors, and, and you guys do a pretty good job of that. Do you remember in Acts chapter 2, it said all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had? They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need? That's what a Christian society looks like. Do you remember John's words last week? Prove by the way you live that you have repented and turned to God. And then he even told us, remember, about being generous. If you have two of one thing, you know, give it away. I had two Instapots in my house. I gave one away last night. I didn't know I was starting a war, though. It it was bad. But we survived it. But you see, a Christian society, we're always aware of the people around us and how we can help. And our community does well, man. When we throw a benefit, we throw a benefit in this town, and I love that. I love that because so many times people drive through Wix and go, "Man, there there ain't nothing there." Oh, there's some good. There's some good in that town. Don't ever overlook us because we're only population seven hundred whatever. I don't know what the exact number is. People don't believe us when we say that. And you say, well, see, that's why the government should be giving me this stuff for free, B.J., because that's what the Bible says. Stop expecting a non-Christian entity to act like the church and start loving your neighbors and being the church. Amen. Thank you. One person got that. Because, you see, that's the problem. But, B.J., we were founded on Christian... Yes, I know, but that does not mean everybody sitting in Washington is a Christian. Do you understand that? Like, it it don't work that way. Hmm. There are Christians somewhere between, you know, um, September to November, whatever election day is, (laughs) and then they go back to whatever. You see, Jesus didn't come to change the Roman government. He came to create the church body. You and I, you and I, it's an economic revolution. Oh, where's the love? I mean, that that all sounded like a pretty good campaign speech there. Could I run for office? No. <laughs> no. I barely survived a Christmas party. I can't do an office. I couldn't go political. No way. It gets too crazy. So where does love break into this, BJ? Like, What? You know, I had y'all so scared, Raymond said last night, he, he was already feeling sick because he said, oh, we're talking about love tomorrow, we, we can't show up. <laughs> All this talk about revolution means we need a strong and powerful leader, right? That's what the Israelites thought they were looking for. You see, they thought this Messiah was coming to do something big and, and free them from the Romans, and going to upturn everything and we're finally going to have our status and our label will be up here now as God's people. Hmm. This was a great moment of hope, remember, for the Jewish people who had been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah. To the point, church, can you can you relate to that point where they thought, "God, are you even listening?" Have you been there, church, where you've cried out, cried out, and cried out, and cried out, and cried out, God, where are you? But here's the thing. When God showed up, it was so far from what they expected, they almost missed it. You see, because Jesus showed up with a poor Nazarene mother, right? Right? that I'm sure they had a lot of good, nasty labels for her. Because everybody just assumed she cheated on Joseph, right? It's not his kid. So there was labels. In fact, Jesus was just an ordinary person that for most part, no one really took notice of until he hit his 30s. You know, we have a huge gap in there. We, we see one, one little childhood story, remember, uh, when he got left behind. But other than that, there's a lot of gaps there. Man, as a new mama, I, I used to hate that because I'm like, how am I supposed to know how to raise my kid when I don't know how Mary raised Jesus? Like, come on, give me something in there, right? Oh, the Bible's full of things to help you, by the way. Man, if you even just went as simple as raising your kids by the Ten Commandments and always pointing them that it's not my rules, it's God's way we live by. That's a big one. So here's the thing. When God showed up, it wasn't how everybody thought it was going to happen. And don't overlook that One of the biggest pieces, most revered pieces in Luke's gospel that's supposed to be so awesome, the the magnificent, it was written by a woman in the day and time that women could not even own property. They could not even be a witness in the court of law because their testimony was no good. And yet, this woman is testifying about the Messiah to the point we have it in the Gospels. So many times when I have conversations about me being a a pastor, how can you do that? Because I see all through God's history, how he lifted women up. We can go back to Deborah being a judge. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of who he is. Mary was singing praises. Think about where she was. She's pregnant. She's got to go back and tell her fiancé. And she knows the law, by the way. She could be going back to her death if God is not protecting her. And yet, she praises God. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. She understood she understood the concept of what the angel had told her, the Messiah, the Son of God, is who she would bear. So I have a different ear now when I hear, Mary, did you know? Because I kind of think, yeah, she did. She did. What's that old, old song that says, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Where was that in trivia last night? Man, Y'all stunk at trivia last night. We don't know our Christmas trivia very well. (laughs) It was some old trivia in that game, and we didn't do so well last night. In fact, it got so crazy that the poor men almost missed the easiest question we had. What's the traditional flavor of a a candy cane? Yeah, but y'all had to think about it. Y'all thought it was a trick question. Peppermint, yeah. It was like the easiest question we had all night, and they almost missed that one. Church... The very first step when we want to find love in our Christmas story in our life is simply humbling yourself before Christ. Seeing yourself through God's eyes, not your own. Because see, when I, when I look through my eyes, I can easily say, well, I'm a good person. Like, I like people. I love, you know, I love on people. I do things for people. I'm a good person. But that's pride. That's my examination. When When I look at my life through God's eyes, the Bible tells me we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Catch this phrase, sin is not what you do. See, I think sometimes we put labels on people because we look at what they're doing, and and because they did that, they sin. Sin is not about what we do, but it's who we are that causes the things we do wrong. You see, we're all born sinners because of Adam. Adam. Thank you so much, Adam. We all are born. One of the first words little Jackson will come up with is going to be no. Right? We know that. Why? Because pride, we want it our way. I don't care, Mama. I want it. I see it. I need it. We have teenagers that still act that way. We we had adults (laughs) last night. So (laughs) what am I saying? I ain't even blaming the kids in here, right? We got crazy last night on gifts. You see, we're all born sinners. And it's that innate concept of being a sinner that causes us to do wrong things. But we can be made new in Christ Jesus. And Mary understood this child. He's going to change everything. He's going to change it all. And that's where the love comes in. Because even today, when the world is dark and hopeless, there's those labels again. Even when the world is so dark, even when that person you've got in your mind that you think, nope, God can't love them. I know what they did. And it's so bad. God still is breaking through. Church, the question is, can you humble yourself before his throne today? Can you humble yourself and say, God, I don't want to see me through my own eyes anymore. And unfortunately, even as Christians, we can live this way, by the way. We can, we can come to the altar, we can say our little prayer, and then we go about our life like nothing has changed. And I will challenge you to say, then do you really know Jesus? Because when Jesus comes into the picture, everything changes. Everything. How we love people, how we love our families, how we look at our things, and how can I help others with what I have? It changes everything. And that's what Mary showed us. In those three verses that we highlighted, it changed the moral status of a person. It changed the social status of the person. It even changed the economic status. And some of us are saying, you don't know my paycheck. It didn't change it. Oh, no, no, no. We can all share stories where God shows up and blesses us in ways that we didn't deserve. Hmm. That's a God thing. But you see, all these changes, it doesn't happen until you and I humble ourselves before the king. And say, God, I'm sorry. I am a sinner, and I'm tired of doing it my way. (laughs) Take my pride, Lord. Take it. Here's my hands opened up. Do with me what you want, Lord, and I'll follow you. And see, when we do that, the world around us begins to change. Oh, there's so many problems in the world today. And I will always say, Jesus is the only answer for every one of them. We can pass laws, great. We need laws. But Jesus is the only change factor. Jesus is the only change factor factor there is. And if you don't have him today, then today is the day. Today is the day to bend a knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So that this light that we have lit for the last four weeks, I don't want it to stay in this room. I want it to leave with each and every one of you because you become the light of the world. You carry Jesus to the next generation. And without that, our world is hopeless without Jesus Christ. That's the love. Stand with me, church. These altars are always open. You say, well, I can talk to God where I am. Yeah, you can. But you know what? Change starts with a step. Change starts with a movement. Man, we have flown through 2021. And maybe you're, you're coming to the end of the year and you're going, wow, I don't think anything has changed this year. Then, then take a step today. Take a step and let God begin to lead. Take a step and acknowledge, God, I lay all that I am before you to live with you now. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today God, I don't want to rush out of this room. I know that we have things to do today. I know families have things to do today. But Lord, I want to make sure all hearts are clear. I want to make sure that we have seen ourselves next to you this morning. And God, if there's anyone that needs to lay down pride and just admit, God, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I need to know what this new creation is that you want to make out of me today's the day mm. father i know during holidays there's there's grief in this room this just come over me lord there's grief in this room holidays are hard may the joy of the lord fill the hearts today may a new song come forth even in those that are grieving today especially when we know where our loved ones are oh what joy we have to sing Mm. father i thank you i thank you for this holiday season that we stop for a moment and and we focus on the birth of christ but god more than that we are focusing on the second coming of christ and god as we wait may we live the way you intend it for us may we live as the savior set the example today not waiting on others, but God, letting you be the change in our life so that we can be the change in others. Open our eyes big and bold today when we leave here, Father, to see those around us that just need kindness, that need love, that just need a helping hand while they're down. May we begin to see the the labels that we are putting on others and that, Lord, on ourselves, and may we rip those off as we remember That you equalize us. We're not beneath others and we're not above others. We are all sinners saved by grace. But we are new creations in Jesus Christ. Which means my past no longer has a hold on me. Amen and hallelujah. And I can walk forward in whatever God has for me. Father, bless the families here today, as I know many will travel this week as we go and spend time with our families over this holiday season. May may we have traveling mercies, but God, may we share the joy of Christ, even with our families, Lord, that can be the hardest ones sometimes. May we still share that light of hope with others around us. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people today said Amen. Church family, go have a beautiful Sunday with your family. Love on some people. Repent if you need to from last night. I love you all, and we'll see you next Sunday. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.